What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. It's another massive fight week for the UFC, which means we've got a massive show planned for you all. Coming up on today's show, I'll once again try to revive the BMF belt. I'll also talk about where Cowboy Cerrone goes from here, and I'll dive into Saturday's main event between Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. But before we get there, I first want to discuss some things that are catching my eye this week. Dana White did an interview, he was talking with Brett Okamoto, and uh, he covered a few things. First off, Francis, Derek Lewis. Looks like that's the direction they're going, and not only in that direction, soon, summer. I know summer sounds like a long time away, guys. Go look at your calendar. Summer's not far at all. Okay, and that's what Derek had told us. And I know there was some headlines and some reporting that Francis didn't want to do that fight, but that's different than Francis refusing the fight. Very different. Francis then started some dialogue, right? Because we got to be detectives. We get clues. That's all that we get. We get these clues. Francis gets into a back and forth, social media known as Twitter, with John Jones, and that ramped up pretty nicely. So now the question is, okay, does Francis want to fight John or does Francis not want to fight Derek so much that he'll fight John? And that's a real thing. Don't forget, they fought before, and I realized it was a lackluster night. I would assume that Francis and Derek would come away with the same opinion that all of us did, which is that was not a fight. Neither one of you knows who is better fighter because neither one of you fought that night. But you don't necessarily have to come to that conclusion. There is the other side of it. Oh, yes, we did. I did not want to engage. I realized the range. I realized the circling. I did that on purpose for 15 minutes because of the three or four seconds I didn't do it, I didn't like how it was going. That's a possibility. I'd be a little bit surprised if that was the truth, that Francis, because of something he felt with Derek, but I could just tell you, as a wrestler, I dealt with that. Whether it was a match from way back when I was nine years old and now we're in high school, one would have nothing to do with the other. Well, not so fast. It has something up here it does. I remember that. Or it was a workout. Guy came through town, or maybe I was going through his town, but I popped in a room with him somewhere. One day work. I'll remember that forever. And may not want, now not willing, won't do it. Totally different conversation. May, may not want, though, to run into him again. It's one of those things. I don't know how badly we have to know, but I would be curious because if that is the case, what was it that Francis felt? What was it? You were only left with a couple of things because there was only a couple of strikes in the whole fight, of which none appeared to hurt Francis. Do we have that wrong? Do we need to go back and look closer? And there was one shot somewhere and it did get through and it wobbled him or it's, it, I don't remember that. I remember two big monsters circling each other with a crowd of 15,000 booing. I was watching with Errol Hawani, and my evil side was loving it. I was loving these 15,000 people were all pissed off. They were throwing stuff. It was great for me. I, I liked that. I enjoyed every second of that. But did Francis feel something? Because most of us, I think, would also conclude, yeah, I'm sure Francis wants to get that one back. I'm sure he'd like to erase this, make it real clear, get, get Derek behind him. Does Francis have a different opinion? And I think it'd be relevant to bring it up because Francis is a lot better fighter now than he is then. So this isn't a physical conversation. I will suspect Francis will be the favorite going into that fight. I mean, I'm all but positive to tell you guys that. Probably sizable. Minimum two to one. I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about something mentally. It appeared at least for a cup of coffee that Francis would rather fight John. 
And it wasn't for any of the reasons that John wanted to fight Francis. I'm not talking about a payday. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about to be the first guy to stop the guy. There was something else. And sometimes option B, you want so little to do with that it makes option A look a lot shinier. And I'm just wondering if that's going on here. Now, Dana then said, somewhere within this discussion with Brett, it's possible for John Jones to fight Stipe. So I've been sitting on one. I've been sitting on that one. I told you guys a few weeks ago that I'm pen pals with Stipe's wife, but that she'd kind of laid out, so I quit messaging. She got back. She saw the video where I told you guys that, referenced it, and said, well, we, you know, he's trying to put this weight on, but it might be Jones next. We kind of need to know what Dana wants. And I've been sitting on that. I thought I had private info, but now that Dana is sharing that it could be Stipe Jones. I'll just share with you, Team Stipe is looking at that same thing and they don't have a problem with it. I mean, I could grab the phone and tell you the message exactly. Got to read between the lines. It's a text message, but the context and tone was very much of, yeah, it might be Jones and, and we're fine with that. Might have to stop off with Jones before we get what we want, which is Francis. Now, I only bring that to you because don't forget, this whole John Jones has to go fight for the championship. You've got that wrong. Don't misremember this. Dana was never saying John has to. Dana was showing respect to John and saying John can. I don't care that he's never fought at heavyweight. He has done enough in that octagon to qualify for. You then also have a responsibility with John Jones because he's dangerous. John is a dangerous, dangerous man. You have to put him in there with people who can protect themselves. And we've had this conversation all the way back to when John had the picogram business, was coming off a suspension and sliding right into a title fight with Gus. It's like, hey, before you think we're rewarding or doing something nice for John, make sure you understand. If you throw John in the mix somewhere, John's second fight of the night, even second fight of the main card, you just throw him in the mix with, with one of the boys, you're walking a, a lamb into slaughter. John will send the number one contender to the emergency room. You don't want to know what John's going to do with the number nine. Or John's going to do with a number 11, right? It's one of those things. Well, Stipe solves a lot of those problems. Stipe versus John Jones? Oh, my goodness. And if Stipe is, is working towards this 250 business, because John, John's doing the same thing, getting to that 240 business, but they're both, I mean, the storylines are kind of the same. Both guys changing their physiology. A lot of questions would be around that. Hard to know just how that match would go. John is very dynamic, but now he's dealing with a power that is different, Stipe has never had problems with anybody unless they had a power that he couldn't deal with. It's a very interesting match. John isn't known to crack you and put you down, which is the only thing that's ever hurt Stipe, but Stipe also gives up weight, which is why if he get cracked, he goes down. He wouldn't be giving up weight against John. I'm just saying it's a fascinating match, and I love that we're starting to talk in that direction. Dana made one point. He made it real simple. J Dana did not kick or swat at John one bit. He didn't do one piece of fight promotion where he's trying to put John and Francis back together. Not, not even a little tiny maybe. Dana made one comment, which is he said, John can have the fight. You have to want the fight. Hard stop. Not another word came out of Dana's mouth, but you can draw paragraphs. You can draw pages out of that statement. Because we have. That's what we're discussing. This whole money grab or this whole I've got to have a carrot dangled in front of me or this whole I'll take my ball and go home unless all comes down to you don't want to do the fight. So when Dana says John can have it all, he just has to want it, I get it. It makes sense. And 
there is something. I mean, it'd be a pretty cool move. Like, just say, for example, we're all mad at John, and John's being the skunk at the garden party. But let's say that John's came in and, and agreed to take on Stipe, but didn't ask for any more, was happy with his contract. We would then know that John was sincere because one of the things John was saying for Francis was essentially hazard pay. This guy is so big. This guy is so scary. I've never done the weight class and therefore I need more. Well, if he ends up with Stipe where none of those things are true and John goes, yeah, they're not true, so I'm good. I think we'd all have to sit back and give John a little bit of an apology. I mean, part of the, the, the frustration that we as a community have had with John Jones is the lack of sincerity that comes out of John's mouth, where John's trying to work the audience, and in this case, he tried to work it because the, the guy was closer to the heavyweight limit than he was. It was pretty strange, but if it turned out that John was sincere, and that is truly what he meant, evident of the fact of just defer to my contract and bring me Miocic, we're ha we need to give a real good look at John here. A little bit of a hat in our hand, a little bit of, hey, I apologize there, Mr. Jones, right? I don't know that we're there. But there is a reason that Team Stipe had John's name come out of his mouth, and there's a reason that Dana White just had John and Stipe come out of his mouth in the same sentence. And in this business where there's smoke, there is fire. Not to mention, if you get Derek and Francis in there, who would Stipe and John fight? Stipe is so heads and shoulders above the field. John is so heads and shoulders above the sport Derek has proven he can protect himself. And I mean, right, you only you look at those top four guys, it's a big drop down to number five. Big drop. It's Curtis Blades. But then you look at Curtis's spot at number five. It's a big drop to anybody that can beat Curtis Blades. I mean, right, heavyweight is not tit for tat any given any given day. No, no, no. They've there's three different classes within heavyweight. Okay, stick on this interview because Dana weighed in on Nick Diaz. And it kind of had to do with the want. The same want that Dana applied to John Jones. Dana was sharing with Brett. And don't forget where we left off with Nick. We left off in Florida where Nick made a cameo in the pay-per-view. Dana, leaving the press conference, says, I'm walking out of this door and Nick's in a room waiting for me. I'm going to go talk with him. We then also heard the name of Hazmet Chemayev mentioned. Okay, but that's all we've got now. Dana just said, I don't think he's got the fire. I don't know if he wants to do this. And I got to tell you, I would get that. And I've also wondered that about Nick. I've just wondered it from watching and observing him. And I've got clues in both directions. I got clues when he was putting out those Instagram training videos. His body's ripped. He weighs 168 pounds. He fights at 170. His last fight was at 185. He weighs 168 pounds. And there was even something within that interview, that tease, that he might even be going down to 155. Well, to look the way he looked... To be three pounds under contracted weight, to be 15, 16, 17 pounds underneath your last fight's weight, that takes discipline. You can't have that level of discipline if you don't have that hunger. So I've had clues in the direction of, yes, Nick is hungry, and yes, Nick does want to do this. I would understand the other way. I had a conversation, I was at Bellator, and Big John, Josh Thompson, and I are standing there. And Josh says to me, he goes, Chael, do you miss it? And I go, yeah, I miss it. And Big John steps in and he goes, what do you miss about it? And I looked at John. I was going to back up my statement. I said, well, I, you know, what do I miss about it? Wow. I mean, what part of a cage fight do you miss? 
And many people, I've talked with Brian Stan many times about walking out in front of that audience, walking through that crowd, your favorite songs hits those speakers, it's your moment. That isn't happening right now. So I couldn't say, at least for the present time, that I missed that. So what the hell do I, what do I miss about it? The training is, is grueling. The fight, I can, I'm sure you could even imagine whether you've done it or not. What's, what's going to be fun about that? <laughs> what part of that do I miss? I didn't realize it until Big John said it. Big John, to this day, I haven't answered his question because I don't have one. I do feel that that's my answer. I do feel that I miss it. He said, what do you miss about it? And in many ways, when Dana's talking about Nick Diaz and Dana wondered if Nick would ever have the fire to do it again, I think that Nick's going to be in the same spot to retort that statement by Dana as I was in to retort the question by Big John. It's not deep and philosophical, but boy, it's a tough one. And you've got to have an answer to that. If this is a competitive drive and there was a world championship out there for me, and this was my life's goal and I was this close, and the only guy that could beat me is named George St. Pierre, and that guy is now gone, I want my due. Okay. Whether that's true or not, I'm talking about does he feel it? Does he have the eye of the tiger? Does he have the want? I don't know the answer with Nick. I don't know. I'll tell you, he looked great. I can tell you, he's disciplined. People that know him, they say you don't ever want, don't ever go to lunch with Nick. You'll you'll hate your meal. You order a Coke, Nick will take it and just, he won't say a word. He'll just take it and go dump it out and fill your cup up with water. Like Nick's really disciplined, right? It's diet and exercise, but we always forget it's in that order. Diet and exercise, we all know that to be true, but we all want to go exercise and not think about the diet. Well, Nick's just one of these guys. You you mix that in with the triathlons, of which I don't know that he's still competing in, but I know a picture's worth a thousand words and Nick Diaz looks like a million dollars and says that he wants to come back. What would the holdup be? If you want to come back and the boss says you can come back, what would stop you? You're not injured. You're not ill. Said you want to do something. Getting it, yes. Hardest thing in life to do is to get somebody else to tell you those three little letters. Yes, he got it. But he's not doing it. And at some point, a guy goes out there, and many times the, the comeback fight is always based on the same thing, which is, I need money. I don't know if that's true with Nick. I, don't, I know Nick made hay when the sun shined, and he doesn't have any weird habits or vices or, you know, little ones over here and little ones over there. He didn't have anything like that. Nick's a straight guy. So... I don't know what the guess is. I would like to know that, but I think when Dana brings it up, and that's the word that Dana's using, I think want, I think desire, I think those are fair words. And until we have answers, I don't know that we're going to have any resolution to either of these topics. Coming up in a moment, I'm going to tell you why George Masvidal versus Conor McGregor for the BMF belt has to happen soon. But before we get there, here's a word about our sponsors. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From lightweight studs like Michael Chandler to Tony Ferguson, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Look. 
Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. Doesn't matter. It can be Chandler. It can be Oliveira. The offer is still good. That's right. Bet $1 on a select fighter, and if he wins, you are going to get $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry. If MMA isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code CHAIL when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on the main event fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code CHAIL to turn $1 into $100 on the main event for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Oregon, PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to getting out and traveling more this summer. I'll be taking the fam on a couple of trips and really excited to get back to covering fights in person again, whether it's for work or play. A lot of us are going to be on the move again this summer, so my advice to you, take your Raycons with you. Whether you're catching up on the latest episode of You're Welcome, yeah, thank you guys, or if you plan to do a little bit of running, a little bit of exercise, you want to know the latest on Bitcoin news, a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ear can make all the difference and get you crisp, powerful sound at half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycons look great and feel even better. They come in a range of cool colors and with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. And Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. I am really impressed with the battery life of these puppies. It's been so nice to use them at length without a constant reminder to recharge. Guys, listen up. Raycons offering 15% off all their products for my listeners only and here's what you've got to do to get them go to buyraycon.com chail there you'll get 15 percent off your entire raycon order and it's such a good deal you'll want to grab a pair and a spare that's 15 percent off at buyraycon.com chail buyraycon.com chail Connor was doing a, a thing called AMA, Ask Me Anything. And there's a general rule in an AMA. The, and the general rule, at least for the spirit of where AMAs were created, which through, was through a website called Reddit, but that if you do an AMA, it's straight. If you come on and it's Ask Me Anything, it's also I will answer anything straight. Just one of the things, when the Reddit editor started this, and I only know that because I did it and I got this talking to ahead of time. Hey, one thing that we do here, it's real... Okay, no problem. When guys follow that, though, it's very fun. It really is very fun. You will see curtains get dropped. 
you will see characters broken. And you will get these straight answers. And it's very fun. So Connor did one. He did it through Reddit. He did it through Twitter. But he said a lot of things. And one of the things that I thought was most interesting, he was asked, would you ever go back to 170? Connor said, I always liked how I looked and how I felt and how I performed at 170. Yes, I will definitely be going back. I'm going to stay on that. I got to stay on that. Because I feel as though you guys have abandoned me. I... I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm not bringing the BMF up anymore. I am single-handedly keeping the BMF alive. But you're not backing me up. I'm all alone out here. I'm, I'm canoeing by myself. I don't even have the support of Masvidal. I don't have anybody back. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. But guys, we have to back up a little bit because don't forget the timeline of how Connor went up to 170 to start with. It's extremely relevant. It's extremely relevant. Connor versus Khabib is simply not going to happen. And many other things did not happen. And were not looked at to happen to try to preserve the idea that we could get Connor and Khabib back in there. It was one of the things with The Office. They just wanted that part two so bad. And you just couldn't, you couldn't get him to look in a different direction. But I bring that to you because now that Khabib's not there, how important is it that Connor becomes a world champion? That's for Connor to answer. We don't, we don't get to decide that. But let's try to guess. How important is it that he does it? He's already done it. He did it at 45. He did it in an interim. He's done the world championship. You know what he hasn't done? He hasn't done the BMF championship. And that might be something that has a little bit more interest to come back to the timeline. Dana White, Street of Beverly Hills, guy with TMZ pops out of nowhere with a camera, and he asks Dana, would you put Connor and Masvidal together? And Dana said, no, I would not do that to Connor. Masvidal's just too big. And of course, that... Soon as that got to Ireland, I mean, Connor was... He, could, oh, he couldn't believe it because that's essentially Dana saying... Right? Masvidal would beat him. Now, he gave the reason why. He built an excuse. It was size. But either way, he's saying that Masvidal would beat him. Foregone conclusion. Don't even bring this up. So you see where Connor, Mr. Competitive, got pretty competitive. Next thing you know, he's bouncing up to 170. He's having that match with Cowboy, but then he's doing interviews talking about Usman. Talking about staying. I realize that he's come back down to 55. He's got other interests. Poirier gave a big roadblock. He's got to go get that one right. But why are we not discussing right? Win or lose, do we need to see Connor fighting the winner of Chandler Oliveira? Like, do we need to do that for any kind of uh, sports integrity reasons? Like, that's why that fight just has to happen. I don't think so. I don't think we needed to do it with Connor versus Khabib Part 2. Not had. Had to do it. Had being the word. I don't think we had to do that. And I don't think Connor is going to miss something in his life if he doesn't recapture a belt that he's already had. Connor went up to 174 a reason. That reason was George Masvidal. Win or lose against Dustin Poirier, Connor versus Masvidal works. Masvidal's looking for something to do. And I realized that Malky, Masvidal's manager, came out and said it would have to make sense to get George back on track for a championship. That isn't true. That is apt. That's. Don't take that and then, and then think that we can't do anything with Masvidal. There's a lot of things you can do with Masvidal. As a matter of fact, most things with Masvidal are not going to lead to a championship fight. Not as long as Usman has the belt. They're just not. 
It's two, it's oh, it's one of those things. Let it go. Great. There's huge things for George Mosvall. George Mosvall's next fight is going to be massive. I'm looking forward to it right now. I, I would be excited if I heard a date, a location. Is it going to be five rounds? I mean, I would have so many great questions. I couldn't possibly care less in the Mosvall stock, Mosvall interest department that he just got beat. Do you guys? We usually do. We usually do care, but I don't think we care with George. And it's one of those things that I don't know that we would care with Connor. Connor loses to Poirier again. Do, does it matter? Do we still want to see Connor versus Masvidal? I mean, think of the power that those guys have. Let's just say that Connor loses to Poirier. So that would be Connor losing two in a row, Connor not having won in a meaningful period of time. And if you took the Cowboy fight out of it, it's you're going on four and five years, a ridiculous amount of time. Against Masvidal, who just lost his last two, including one by finish. But but hear what I'm saying. These are all put-downs, right? These are all things that pull guys down. Do you know how big business would be? You'd have two guys coming off of losses. Multiple losses. They would sell out. They would fill up any building. I mean, that's the fight. That is really is the fight. If you're just looking for an obvious, easy, easy promotional story to tell, that one that just falls right into your lap. Wrapped up like a little present falls right into your lap. It works, but we got to bring the belt back. We got to bring the BMF belt back. And I do think that Masvidal needs to give a real good look at Connor. Connor's not kidding when he says, I don't think Masvidal's too big. Connor is not scared. You say whatever you want about Connor McGregor. If you say he is a coward, you, you simply are not telling the story, truthfully. Connor's a lot of things. Scared to fight is not one of them. Which becomes pretty interesting when you're talking about Masvidal. But why are we not talking about the belt? And it would be interesting to find out how important is that belt to Connor? I mean, if I look around left and right, apparently that belt's important to one person, and it's me. I got to stop. I told you guys, I'm going to. I'm going to stop if you guys don't back me up here. But Dustin Poirier was just put in an interesting spot. Dustin Poirier was recognized for what he is, which is without question the clearest number one contender in the sport, not just in that division. There is no clearer number one contender in mixed martial arts than Dustin Poirier. So he was shown that respect. And Dana said, would you like to fight either Chandler or Oliver, but we'll do it for the belt, or would you like to not fight for the belt, but it'll be with Connor? And Dustin chose Connor. Dustin had already been the champion. I can assure you, if Dustin never had that belt around his waist, he's taking the title fight. No matter what it would cost him, he's going to go after the dream. But he's already had it. And Dustin made his decision, which was to take on a more lucrative fight. So all I'm asking is if the same scenario was presented to Conor McGregor, would you like to fight for the belt? Let's say D Conor beats Dustin. Would you like to go fight for the belt? Or would you like to go fight Masvidal, right? It's one of these things where Conor would be put in the same spot in many ways, which is why I've already had the belt meant a lot to me, and I'd like to have the belt, but this one looks more enticing today. So I'm going down my list and checking off experiences. I already have that belt thing you were talking about. I mean, it gets interesting really fast, but I think that that dialogue, for reasons unknown, has been very quiet on Masvidal's side. I think the dialogue, for reasons unknown, on Connors is very silent. And don't tell me it's because Connor has Poirier coming up. Connor's been talking about everybody except Poirier.
I mean, Connor's just fine going in five different directions. Why are those guys not talking? Why is this not being talked about? And where in the hell is that belt? So I want to see George Masvidal versus Conor McGregor soon, but there's one guy who doesn't want that fight to happen, and it's Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is going to cheer for Conor McGregor, according to Michael Chandler, because he wants to fight Conor. Chandler is coming from a point of, I am confident, I am going to beat Charles Oliveira, I'm going to be the world champion, this is the number one contender's fight, I got to fight one of them, and I'd rather fight the Irishman. Okay, not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. But it is interesting. I mean, to watch Chandler come into a new organization, this is a sport that Chandler knows. He didn't know a damn thing about the UFC. He really doesn't, other than I'm a fan. To watch him come in and not get a single one wrong, Chandler didn't get this many right when he was at Bellator, and he was at Bellator for over 10 years. Every single thing I see from Chandler. Chandler said, I will make Khabib 29 and Chandler. Got a better line for me in the last year? I'll listen. When you're giving out awards at the end of the year, you want to know the, the greatest line, the single greatest soundbite is 29 and Chandler. And now he's saying, bring me Connor, and he's already overlooking Oliver. So now I got to back up. Oh, hold on. Hold on. How will that fight go? I had given an analysis one night. Chandler was getting ready to fight Benson Henderson. Now that's a hard night. Benson can definitely beat Chandler, and Chandler can beat Benson, right? Both world champs. That's just a hard night. No one's going to disagree with that. But what does it take to beat Chandler? I'll tell you, or at least I'll tell you what I told the world on the broadcast. I talked about what Patrici was able to do, what Pitbull was able to do to Chandler, which was to lead the dance, go first, get in his face, back him up. Don't let him take charge, meaning Chandler. Don't let him take charge. You have to throw this rhythm off. Don't let him get going because he's a snowball. And he's only, he only gets bigger and better as the night goes on. You've got to stop him from the start. And the reason I bring that to you, Chandler wrote me afterwards. He wrote me, so I went back, I watched the fight, and I heard what you said in your analysis as to why Benson could beat me. And he said, you're very good at what you do. And that was all he said. That's all he said. But that was a very nice compliment. I appreciated it. But he's also telling me I'm right. Now, for him to tell me I'm right, don't think I just gave away the keys to the castle. Don't think that I just go, oh my God, Chandler admitted to Chael that the one thing you have to do is go out and take charge and beat to the punch first. No, 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 no. Chandler's admitting that he knows it. Right? A problem for a guy is only a problem if the guy doesn't know he has it. If Chandler was able to assess himself, come to me, say that my assessment of him, that I was, right, nice compliment he gave me, but for him to be able to do that means that he recognizes what means he started to correct it. And I only bring that to you because I remember that night. I remember when they were getting ready to fight. I remember going, man, this is a big fight. This is going to be a hard night. But I also remember that the only thing that I had to turn to was this one evening. And when I do look fast forward to Chandler's time in the UFC with Dan Hooker, that's one thing Hooker did not do. Hooker did a lot of moving. Hooker had a different strategy. It was very lateral, both ways, a lot of movement, a lot of space. And I don't know if he was going to do that for the whole first round or just until he got a little bit comfortable, but it was very clear what Hooker was going to do, which was stay on the outside, go a little bit left, go a little bit uh, right. But Chandler's still walking him down. Boom! Right? Chandler finally read those motions. He's very compact. He's very strong. Chandler, so you get hit with him, you got big problems, particularly in the first round. Does Oliveira have 
a better and or different strategy and game plan. Because Oliveira will get into a fist fight himself. He will get right into the mix. One thing that Oliveira did with Tony Ferguson is he mixed it up. He came with the strikes right into the wrestling. He used the takedown to go right into the pass, right into the pound, right into a submission, and then repeat. But there was never a time in that fight, and it would be very hard for you even now, even now as observers of that fight, to tell me what was the story of that fight. Tell me which art, which discipline was most prominently on display. Be very hard, because it wasn't just jujitsu on the ground. It was ground and pound. Ground and pound is different than jujitsu, or even on the feet. You couldn't just tell me it was the boxing because of all the kicks that were thrown in there. But the wrestling was also a big. He mixed it up. Even if the majority of that fight was on the ground and it was a clinic by Oliveira, it was different styles on the ground. It wasn't just what you're going to see under the unified rules and submission underground. You had ground and pound going on. You had passing, you had position, you had posture. There was a lot of things that Oliveira threw out there. I think if he can duplicate that performance with Chandler, it would behoove him to do so. Now you have problem number two, which is, can you do it before he does it to you? Chandler's a very compact, he's a very strong guy. I think most guys look at him as a real muscle shark. If you are one of those guys, then you're missing, he's fast. Chandler is fast. And most guys that are strong aren't fast. Most guys that are really fast aren't muscle sharks. He's both. You complain about the DNA all you want, man. The guy got the best of both worlds, but it is a reality. And you've got to take that speed into consideration. If you want to come out there and take charge, and I don't know that Oliveira has lightning speed to do it, or lightning power, overwhelming power, like, say, Pitbull does. But I do think that Oliveira has a great ability to make you guess which attack is coming next. Am I going to use an elbow or am I going to drop down to a single leg? He can make you guess. It's a very interesting fight. Chandler's already looking past it. I'm still looking at it. It's a very interesting fight. And this is one of these fights Chandler can beat Oliveira. Oliveira can beat Chandler. One of them's going to do it. We don't hear a whole lot from Oliveira. And maybe the fact that he's laser focused on Chandler is wise. But that's a personal choice. You don't have to, well, he's overlooking him and, and assess that that's bad. Some guy like to do that. And Chandler's a wrestler, which means he's used to tournaments, which means he's used to four and five guys in one day. It can be very helpful to not put too much focus on any one body. It'll be a little bit more wide open. So it's very interesting, and it's getting better and better as this fight gets closer and closer. Will the winner take on? the winner of Conor Poirier. I certainly think so. Has Conor Poirier officially been named the number one contender fight? No. So as we've been speaking of Conor McGregor, you all may remember the last guy he beat, which was Cowboy Cerrone. Cowboy fought and lost over the weekends, which has many people wondering what is next for Cowboy. Oh, I was in pain. I was in pain for Cowboy Cerrone. You know, the more you look back, I think you guys would agree with me, the perfect solution. We almost got the perfect solution. Diego versus Cowboy. Loser retires, winner retires. And that would have been a man. They would have got some minutes in. That would have been fun. to. It'd be everything that both of those guys like to deliver. 
that they could go home and feel good about, regardless of whose hand went up. That just would have been the kind of fight and the kind of performance that Cowboy and the Nightmare like to give people. And sometimes that is as good as you were going to get in terms of going out the way you want. Every fighter goes out the same way, face down and embarrassed. All of them. There's two exceptions over the history of time, which is George St. Pierre and Lennox Lewis. That's over time. Nope. Ali didn't go out the way he wanted. I mean, I could go, we could play this game, guys. It just doesn't work that way. Because as long as you can do it, you keep doing it. You guys understand that concept. Nobody stops when they're feeling great. You look at Tom Brady. He doesn't want to stop. He still feels great. He's still got a hunger. He's still got the eye of the tiger. Just as an example that you would, but that's why you don't ever leave on top. You go out there and you squeeze that as many times as you can. It's a rush. It's what you do. And then one day you wake up and realize you can't do it anymore. It's one of those things. And I don't know that I see that with Cowboy. There was parts, and I, I realized that this fight was relatively short, but there was parts of this fight where Cowboy looked great. That's a hard fight. Cowboy is 38. His opponent was not. I mean, it's one of those things where numbers do matter. Over a period of time, we can just look back historically and kind of see things as they're directly related to numbers, and that one's jumping off the page. I will tell you, for a 38-year-old, he has not slowed down. That is one thing that most fighters do is they slow down. Their reactions aren't the same. They end up getting things said about them that aren't necessarily accurate, like his chin is gone. His legs are no longer there. No, that's not. He slowed down, so now he's getting hit on the chin as opposed to getting those hands up and moving. Cowboy's not doing that. Now, Cowboy plays a dangerous game. When you're a kickboxer, by preference, and I have to say that by preference because Cowboy on the ground is absolutely fantastic. By preference, when you're a kickboxer, it's a dangerous game. You go, you go get into a gunfight on Saturday night in front of the world. It's a dangerous game. Some are going to go your way and some aren't, period. So I don't know that we're seeing something with Cowboy where he has slowed down, where he doesn't have the eye of the tiger, where he's distracted with other things. I, in fact, I'm seeing the opposite. I think Cowboy's very locked in. I think he's fighting some extremely hard opponents. And one thing that happens when you're willing to fight anybody anytime is if you fight a guy who is not a household name and you are, it then looks by perception falsely that you have done something wrong, that you have underperformed. I mean, I only bring that to you because Cowboy also fought another guy who nobody had ever heard of, that he's supposed to go in there and smoosh. The guy by the name of Darren Till. You guys remember that? Till had had one fight, never fought on TV. All of a sudden, he's with Cowboy in the main event. We don't know that Till's this master. We don't know anything about Darren Till. And in the, in the immediate after that, people were calling for Cowboy's got to retire. He can't do it. He just lost to this kid. What's his name? Till. I mean, that was the attitude. Then all of a sudden, Till's in the ring fighting for a world championship. And we realized the guy's pretty damn special. So, oh, okay, well, here, let's go back and let's fix that and let's not be so down on Cowboy. But it's one of those things that your eyes could deceive you and perception, which becomes reality in life, but also within our small sport here. Perception is now against Cowboy. I That's not a reality. That's not what I saw. Cowboy looked just fine. He played a dangerous game. He took on a tough son of a bitch. That's the truth. Same as Cowboy always does. And some go your way, some don't. But what are you with him now? As much as I'm telling you, I would have just loved the Diego versus Cowboy. With the caveat, loser goes, winner goes. 
Because at some point, Dana has to step in and protect you from yourself. Nobody is ever going to say, and nobody ever has, and that's a broad stroke statement, I'm done. I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. They, They just don't do that. Too much pride. Too much this is all I know. This is what I do. Who am I if I'm not doing this? It's just one of these things where Dana has to step in and protect you for yourself. Now, Dana is not just because of the relationship he has with Cowboy, the respect he has, all the roads that they've traveled together. He is not going to send Cowboy a pink slip. If Cowboy comes to Dana, I know what you're seeing. Realize it's not. I need one more. There's guys who have done that, who've traveled the roads and have some years with Dana and have this level of relationship. BJ Penn comes to mind. There wasn't very many conceivable conclusions as to why is BJ still here at this point, right? There's just, it was one of those things. But BJ went to Dana and said, man, I really need this. This keeps me on track. It keeps me focused. I still like it. Can you get me one more? Dana said, yeah, I can get you one more. Pat Barry was in a similar spot. Hey, man, can I get one more? Yeah, I can get you one more. Anderson Silva just had this. And Dana even made Anderson sign it. I interviewed, if you guys didn't see on my YouTube page, I interviewed Anderson a week ago. First time I've ever visited with Anderson, ever. I've shouted at him a number of times, back and forth. I've never sat and visited with him. I digress, but it's an interview you guys might want to go back and see. I thought it was, I had pretty fun doing it. I know the people that watched it enjoyed it too, but Anderson shared something in that, which is that Dana made him sign. This is my last fight. Talking about the one with Uriah Hall. This is my last fight in the UFC. And Anderson told Dana, he revealed this, he said, I can't promise it's my last fight, period. So I'll sign that. I'll promise to not bother you, ask you for a match. If in exchange you fully release me, let me go see what is out there. Don't put me on the 90-day non-compete. Let me go out and see. And Dana goes, deal. You got a deal. I share that with you because Cowboy, if he in fact wants to continue, might have to get in front of this. And one thing that Cowboy just will not do is call for an opponent that is an easy night. He just he just won't do it. There's plenty of guys Cowboy can beat, but Cowboy knows he can beat them, and he will never, he just won't do it. This might be the time where you just go, give me this guy, right? I mean, it might be the time. Cowboy's never asked for anything, and whoever that guy is that Cowboy points to, you're just giving that guy an opportunity. Of course that guy wants to be in there with the Cowboy. Of course he does. I only share this because it's a very interesting spot. And at some point, you're going to have to deal with it. You can kick that can down the road. The problem doesn't go. At some point, you have to deal with the problem, which is, when is your last fight? Which one is the last one? And there's a few things that you would prefer to have happen in your career. That's the strongest word I can use. Prefer. You would prefer to win. But how many guys win and then... Don't say, well, I just won. Give me another one, right? That's the problem. You also, when you talk about prefer, you would like it to be your idea on your terms, not being told you don't have a home. Nobody's going to sign you. It's no longer an option. But these are prefer. It just doesn't go that way. And again, I bring in Lennox Lewis. I bring in George St. Pierre. I'd be happy if you threw another name at me. And no, I will not throw in Floyd Mayweather. No, I will not, because Floyd is, he's not done. Floyd is looking and putting himself in harm's way, to some extent. The risks that he's uh, taken are a little bit lower, but no, I, I don't know that I would qualify Floyd yet. 
And everybody's got a number. Everybody's done at some point unless, unless they just have too much pride. They just have to stop. Don't know when to stop. Even the great Tom Brady, there's going to be a day when you're going to be, hey, man, that guy needs to be pulled. He's on the bench. He's second string. He's going to go from the greatest player ever to a bench guy. The difference is he knows it. He's accepted that. This is the way I want to do I don't ever want to look back and wonder, could have I done one more season? I want to stay here until somebody passes me and takes my spot. So that's okay for him, but he's also come to terms with it. I bring that to you because it's a tough spot for fighters. I don't think the Cowboys slow down. I think he looks great. I think he plays a dangerous game. I think he does it over two different weight classes, so he never fully knows where he needs to have his body. I think those are risks. I think he, I think he takes a lot of risks. When you take a lot of risks in life, but particularly in this sport, yeah, they're just not all going to go your way. We're having a different conversation, though. We're having a conversation of what's it going to look like to get another match, who's that match going to be with, and why are we doing it? Why are we here? There has to be an answer to that question. Reed Harris, who owned the WEC, told me one time, but I've never forgot because Reed is one of the five men alive who have found a way to make money in MMA. So Reed's opinion and knowledge matters when you can get it out. He just told me one time, he said, he was talking about a different organization, he said they don't put on meaningful fights. And I've never forgot that. When I'm asking the question of why are we here? Why are we doing this? Meaningful fights. That's where it becomes problematic. The UFC is for champions and contenders. And it's always been that way. Now, there is a little bit of a gray area for the stars. And Cowboy would fall into that category. Cowboy's a star. But does Cowboy want to get in there with Masvidal and contest this BMF thing? I mean, just by example, I don't th- see where Cowboy's going to go out and call for these things. I think he has the right to, and I think he would get his way. And I think if Cowboy called out George Masvidal right now, he'll have a contract by this time tomorrow to fight George Masvidal. That's my opinion. Masvidal's not going to take kindly to that. That's just not what Cowboy does. So I don't predict for you that he's going to do that. So the question does come back to, and taking what Reed said into consideration, and Cowboy's a Reed guy. Got in the UFC through WEC, same as I did, through Reed. And Reed believes in putting on meaningful fights. You have to go back to that, because it does become a question of, if you're not a champion, you're not a contender, you're not going to be the path, it's just not there. Why are we here? And what are we doing? And what is this for? And if you can answer that question... Because it's my last fight. It's my retirement fight. This is my send-up. Those are all reasons. But now you've said it, you've identified it. It's the same situation that we're in. We're just kicking the can. We're moving the can. That's okay. That's okay. But it's time to start having some of these hard talks, some of these hard-er conversations. And Cowboy, he won't do it. I'm not going to get my way. Cowboy is not going to come out and call a shot. He's not going to do it. He's going to have his phone nearby. He's going to get a text, and he's going to write back, okay. It's just the way that he does things. It's just the way he does things. But before we throw out one of our greats, one of our legends, one of the guys that we as a community owe something to, Cowboy didn't owe us anything. We owe him something, though. Before we do that, let's try to get a plan together. Let's get a little idea together. Let's recognize that we have 
some legends that are around. I know I brought in Masvidal and I, I, I bring in Cowboy. You got a, you got Damian Maya out there. You got a few guys that fit into a little bit different category. Yeah, they're not going to be champion. Those days are done, but they're still damn good. They're not going to go easy. And if you can get some of those guys together and start to tell the story of why we're here, I think that we can do something. But if you come to the table without that, or you think that the promoter is going to bring that answer to you, it's not going to happen. It's got to be meaningful. Remember Reed's words. So what do we do with Cal- I don't know. I don't have that figured out. I know a way that he could do it, but it's going to involve him speaking up. He's not going to do that. So let's think a little bit as a community. Let's remember, he doesn't owe us anything, but in fairness, we, we do owe him. Let's try to produce that answer for him. Before I wrap up today's show, I want to leave you with some thoughts on something I'm very excited about. All right, guys, I'm going to be interviewing Jake Paul on Thursday. That will come out on Friday's podcast. I'll get that up on YouTube on Thursday, about an hour from the interview. But what what should I ask him, guys? I mean, what do you guys want to do? I plan to basically have a conversation with him. Hey, Jake, what's going on? And and we're going to go from there. But you guys have questions. And if you do, write them down below. I will ask him. I've been in contact through text message. He's been very personable. I mean, I got to tell you, I think having a conversation with him is going to be very easy to do. And there is some direction I would like to go. I mean, look, what do we all want to know? What's the number one question? Obviously, who's next? That's obviously it. Dana spoke up and was, was very clear to say, I will not be loaning any more UFC fighters to Triller. The end. But good luck, and there's plenty of people that will go do it. They don't need me, but quit coming to me because you're not going to get me. Okay, fine. But that answers some of your questions on Connor. Kamara Usman was in talks as recently as a week ago. By talks, he was in the headlines. So who do you go to, and in what direction? And I, I think that there's one direction that we can look at right now and shut the door on it, which is the boxing direction. To go look at, right, we got the Olympic trials this year. So whether guys make the Olympic team and come home and turn pro or guys come short of making the team and go right into the pro, we got a whole new crop coming through. And that's what I'm saying, shut the door and let them go do their own thing. Jake is doing something different. Jake's in many ways more special in all fairness. It is getting more attention. It's getting more headlines. He's being discussed more. I haven't discussed the Olympic boxing team once. I can't remember a day that's gone by where I haven't discussed Jake Paul. So who am I to throw stones at this guy? Oh, well, the, the real boxers and the true boxers. Well, who are they? Because I've heard a number of you say that. Well, he's not going after real boxers. He's not going after true boxers. Well, what are their names? That's the one part that, that, that you Paul haters always seem to leave out. You keep talking about Paul. You keep talking about what Paul's doing. You keep saying he's doing the wrong thing. But you don't offer a better suggestion in that direction. I only bring that to you because there is a level of notoriety and attention that is going to be required for a main event. That's just the truth. And I think the direction of the up-and-comers, as good as they could be, and as much as we'd love to see them get an opportunity, that's just kindness. That's just us trying to be kind and look like kind, sweet, caring, noble people. It isn't a reality. If you were a decision-maker, you would not do that. If you were a promoter or an executive, you were not going to submit that. And there's some roughnecks out there. One of the Pauls, and I think it was, uh, I think it was Jake was talking, it might have been Logan, but he was talking about he sparred with all the Gronks. 
He said there's four Gronk brothers, which I did not know. I'm talking about the guy that plays for uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I guess there's four of them. But Paul's in there fighting with them. That's interesting to me. I would love to see Gronk in a boxing ring. I find Gronk to be entertaining. I know what he could do on the grid on it. I thought he did pretty well in AEW myself. I really did. I really did. Little cheesy? I like a little cheesy. What's wrong with that? Guy's in shape. Guy likes to win. But there's other guys like that, and I think that that's the road that we need to go down. And if these are the marching orders, and this is hard and fast stop, then it's not going to be a UFC guy. By the way, Jake owes. He owes Dylan Dennis. I mean, that match needs to happen. Now, Scott Coker might be saying the same thing. Scott Coker's now doing business with Showtime. Showtime might want to put that on. I mean, right, you see where this, this could become a little bit of a problem, but if we are looking for an MMA guy, I would submit for you Dylan Dennis. I think that's a very interesting name. I don't hate the idea of T-Wood. And there is something in boxing about size. It would seem to me that Floyd Mayweather could go through both Paul brothers in one night, obviously, and easily. But they asked Floyd about it, and he said no. He said, I will not take them both on in one night. Now, I realize the likelihood of that ever happened, but you see where that would make a level of more sense? I mean, to have any real interest in Logan versus Floyd, we have to have a level of belief that Logan can win. Well, you start talking about a handicap match or even a handicap evening. I realize it won't be two-on-one, but even an evening, that does get interesting. I mean, now you're talking about tournament format. It's very interesting. We're not going down that road, but what I share for you is more of the surprise of how quickly Floyd resisted it. And it wasn't from a business perspective. It was from a competitive uh, perspective. Did not want to put himself in that kind of an atmosphere. And one of the reasons that I was surprised is, first off, that seems like it'd still be a pretty easy night for Floyd. And secondly, that's what a sparring session looks like. When Floyd's getting ready for a world title fight, all the top guys, Pacquiao, Canelo, you guys are watching some of those training footage, you'll have four to five sparring partners. And every time the bell goes off, a new one comes in. So the guy that's out, the guy that's training, gets a fresh body on him to stack the deck. So in many ways... It would seem as though, even though it would never happen for the conversation and was for a headline, and Floyd, even in the headline, tucked. I mean, Floyd doesn't tuck in real life. I wouldn't think that in a mythical headline he would, but he did. He did. And that is the first sign and the first step we have in the direction of, can Logan beat Floyd? Floyd says no. Floyd says, both of them in one night, I got a problem. That surprised me. But that's the kind of things that it's going to need if we're ever going to get from A to Z with those two and get the most out of it. These are both guys who can draw. There's something about them together. Start telling the size story. Floyd should, should finish the thought as to why he won't fight them both in the same night. He should finish that thought. He should say, well, you know... Do I fight the bigger one and then I fight the smaller one because the bigger one could really, you know, he could cut my eye. What if I have to go in there with a swollen eye? Do I have to forfeit to this? And whatever the thought is, whatever made him say, I'm not going any further with this. I'll make it very clear right now. My answer is no. I mean, you would never do that in the media. Paul would never make that mistake. Paul is telling me he'll take on five guys. Ah, gee, we can't find a commission to sanction it. Well, I was willing to do it. That's the way you play the media. Floyd said no. Floyd said no. It's the first thing we have in a direction of Floyd is taking this serious. 
Floyd has seen a little something different. For all of us fight fans and experts to sit out there and give you our opinion on who has the better skill, ultimately, it does come down to the principles. If you ever meet a guy who doesn't believe, you know, you're picking this guy and you're telling people he's going to win, then you happen to run into him somewhere, you talk to him, he informs you that he doesn't believe he's going to win, you got to listen. You got to listen to that guy. Why, 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 why could you not win? What are you talking about? Well, you know, I don't like the way he's a southpaw and he's, he's pretty quick with that left. I have a hard time seeing that out of my eye. Whatever it is, but you got to listen to sometimes that's how you get your greatest insight. It's very important that people sound confident. Now, a lot of times it's an act, but it's very important because the opposite is saying you don't think you can do it. That doesn't help anybody. And in this particular case, one of the ingredients that we need is some kind of a belief as to why a guy who's barely done the sport before can get over on a guy who's never lost to doing the sport before. It's a tough one. It's a stretch. It's very hard to do. And our first step in that direction is Floyd refusing to fight them both in the same night. It's not much. It's all we got. It's the first step. And we haven't seen the Pauls get it wrong yet. So something tells me there is a plan. Something tells me there is an ace in the sleeve that's going to get played at some point. Let's see what it is. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Or better yet, tell a friend. As you know, it's a big week in MMA, and I will be back on Friday to give my official predictions for UFC 262. But until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Welcome.